Brighter Media Group original. I remember a moment in time, maybe 18 months in, where I'm like, this has to work because I'm not moving back. There's enough that I love here that's going to keep us here. This is Long Story Short, a podcast about living an intentional life. I'm David Paul. From a distance, change can look very appealing, but up close, it can look very different. In that 2016-2017 time frame, I knew that change was coming. I just didn't know what the change would be. This is Jimmy Page. He now knows what that change is, and we'll let you know in just a moment. Change always involves transitioning from something old to something new. So first, here's Jimmy's something old. Our family lived in Maryland and uh, for 25 years. So from the time that Ivelisse and I got married... We moved from Virginia to Maryland, and then I took on a role in healthcare, in health and fitness, sports performance, and that type of thing for 10, uh, almost 15 years. And then I made the move into FCA ministry, and I've been on staff uh, with FCA now for 16 years. FCA is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I was the regional vice president for field ministry of the Mid-Atlantic, the five states, uh, Pennsylvania. New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and D.C. In 2016, Jimmy started feeling a tug. I think, candidly, I was looking for opportunities to expand my leadership capacity. You know, So I, I think the thing that drew me to this opportunity was it was new. It was an expanded leadership role. It, I think, takes advantage of, or, or I believed it would take advantage of, my unique gifts and strengths and experiences And I was excited about the challenge. Jimmy says he was also aware that remaining in Maryland was creating a bottleneck for the next generation of FCA leaders in that region. So I kind of had the pull to the West, you know, to take on more responsibilities, use my leadership, et cetera, but also the push to, you know, to let those that, that were behind me take on increased responsibility as well. That pull to the West, Jimmy just mentioned, was an expanded leadership opportunity in the western region of FCA. So Jimmy talked to his wife, Eva Lisa, about it. And I said, hey, this this is an opportunity. I really think this is an opportunity for me to take on a new challenge. And she, right out of the box, because it required a move, she was like, no way, we're not going. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is going badly. This is not this is not what I expected. Of course, it didn't end there. If it had, this episode would be about something completely different. Then over the course of, of a handful of weeks, you know, we began to pray about it and sense, you know, is this something that might be an opportunity? And then the, she had a moment where she was like, listen, I'm convinced that you should pursue this opportunity. Oh, but it gets better. Because this job opportunity covered a multi-state region, Jimmy and Eva Lease could pick where they wanted to live within that region. And that was part of the appeal. They wanted to live in Colorado. And this is where it gets really interesting. Both Jimmy and Eva Lease at the same time believed God was telling them the same thing. We both were impressed that we needed to move to Colorado regardless of whether I got the opportunity or not. And that, that was a really um, kind of exhilarating and terrifying moment, to be honest. 
And uh, I looked at Ivelisse and I was like, I, you know, I don't have a plan B. If FC, if the opportunity doesn't come to fruition with FCA, I don't have any other opportunity that's going to get us to Colorado. And Ivelisse's response? And she just said, well, we're going to just have to trust the Lord. And, you know, I believe that this role within FCA is made for you. And I believe you're going to have this opportunity. But if not, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So that was a terrifying moment. Jimmy and Ivelisse flew west and signed a contract for a new house in Fort Collins, Colorado. And what about that opportunity in FCA? No word yet. You know how when you're waiting for an answer, time slows down? A couple of days can feel like a week. A week can feel like a month. So imagine, you know, we, we've gone out to Colorado. We're both convinced we're moving regardless. I'm going through the process with FCA. I have no plan B if FCA doesn't happen. And three weeks' time is passing between the time we put a deposit down on the house that we would eventually build uh, before I got the offer for this new opportunity within FCA. And what exactly is this new job? So I am a divisional vice president for the West within the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I oversee four regions, uh, all of our staff, all of our strategy, all of the development of ministry in those four regions. The four regions are the Rockies region, which I live in in Colorado, and then the Western region, which is uh, California and West. And then we've got Texas and we've got the Pacific Northwest. So I oversee the leaders in those four regions. All right, back to the transition, making this change happen. It would impact more than just Jimmy and Ivelisse. They have four kids. How many were still living at home when they decided to head west? Just two. So the two oldest boys are now young men, and they're off. Uh, One's in California, one's in Arizona. And uh, John and Grace were still at home. John was, was in college, and Grace was in high school. How did they feel about moving? I think it was a bit unsettling because it was going to create a lot of change in our lives and moving them from the home that all of them, the only home that all of them have really known. So I think, uh, I think there was a lot of excitement and a lot of anticipation for a start in a great, in a great place that we would want to live. But at the same time, they were uprooting from, you know, kind of the stability that they'd known for so long. And as exciting as this new opportunity was and all the change that came with it, Jimmy and Ivelisse weren't without their concerns. One of the big fears was, man, we're starting over on relationships and we're later in life. You know, uh, I was in my 50s. Ivelisse was almost in her 50s. So the idea of starting over was a pretty big obstacle, I think, in some ways. I also wondered about health care. Ivelisse is a cancer survivor, stage four colon cancer. Well, I think because she's enjoying such vibrant health now. It's been 13 years since she was originally diagnosed with cancer. I think we have less concern about that. I think additionally, since she has such a strong network of amazing physicians around the country and advisors, I think it's it's helped us to to know that we can get access to the people that we need to in the event that you know, that we needed it. So Jimmy and Ivelisse also started telling the people in their world what was happening, that Jimmy was taking a new role in FCA and they were all moving to Colorado. And the reaction? 
I think a lot of people were, there was a piece of it that was where they were jealous. Like, Oh man, like, wow, you guys are, you guys are like going for it. You know, there was, there was a lot of that. And I could tell in, in a, a bunch of people who had that kind of adventurous spirit, they're like, man, could I do that? Like, that's amazing. You know, it's amazing to follow a call and to be excited about the next opportunity and, and just go for it. Like who does that? And part of it was, I think as much as it was expanding our faith, I think it was encouraging others to expand their faith for taking risks and doing things that are that you wouldn't normally do under regular circumstances. And haven't most of us felt that at some point when we hear about someone else making a change, especially a big change, it feels really appealing, particularly when our friends start talking about how amazing things are after they make the change. For example, the weather in Fort Collins, Colorado. The weather here is amazing. Uh, it is. I mean, I am fully alive here, Dave. The, there's no humidity. It is sunny 325 days a year. But of course, an exciting change to a place with great weather is not the full story. Change almost never happens without some challenges. I, I had to GPS a gas station for the first like three weeks here just to go. Well, where am I going again? It's not just where you get gas and groceries. But a change like this also requires building a new set of professional relationships. Your bank, your doctor, your dentist, and those types of things that rarely make the social media posts after somebody moves. You underestimate the simplicity of life when you've been somewhere for a long time and all that's in place. So it it took me two years to figure out the dentist thing. For Jimmy and Ivalice, the challenges were even steeper. While we waited for our home to be built... We rented a house in a different part of town, and uh, so we were in flux. We weren't even in a place we were going to stay. We, we ended up being in that rental for about four months, I believe, July, August, September. Yeah, almost four months, three and a half months. And so we were transient. You know, we weren't settled yet. And the challenges didn't go away after they finally moved into their new home. In many ways, I mean, six, seven, eight months in, I told Ivelisse, I don't feel attached to anything here yet. And I think at our stage of life, you have to make a real effort to engage with people and develop new relationships. Because by this stage of life, most people have a ton of relationships already established. So when the new kids come into town, you know, there's not necessarily a big capacity or desire or or need for that. And yet we had a real desire and, and, uh, and need for that. Jimmy and Ivalice also realized something else at this time. What I discovered was a lot of the relationships that we formed over the course of our life up to this point were built around the kids. You know, whether it was kids in school or sports or me coaching or built around church. So we didn't have any of the rampway to form new relationships around the kids in school and sports. And we hadn't been established in a church yet. It took us a good six months before we landed on a church that we were excited about and had a routine with. At this point, you might be thinking, okay, you move and it takes time to figure out where everything is and to find a church and to build new relationships. That's expected. Got it. Except we're just getting started. Hi, my name is Tracy Tiernan. Could you use a little extra sunshine in your day? 
<laughs> Could you use a little hope? Well, then I want to invite you to check out my podcast, Your Day Brighter. Each week, I have rich conversation with amazing people who are making a real difference in this world. Some of my guests you've heard of. I ask God questions without questioning God. And God is just, he's got to refine the hell out of us. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm here. Doesn't look like I can speed my way out of this one. So, Lord... What do you have to show me while I'm here? You think you know those voices? I bet you do. But there's also very special guests on my podcast that you haven't heard of yet. And I can't wait to introduce you. I promise you'll feel encouraged and you'll learn practical ways to live a more positive, joy-filled life. I hope you'll stop by for a listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can go to 951shinefm.com and click the Your Day Brighter link. Let's add some light and love and hope to our world. I just have a few words to say and then we'll, we'll hear from Michael. October 3rd, 1993. This is Chicago Bulls owner Jerry Reinsdorf at a press conference announcing the retirement of Michael Jordan. This is a, a very bittersweet day. There's a certain sadness because the greatest athlete to ever play a team sport is leaving the game. About a year ago, when we were getting ready to begin training camp for the last season, Michael spoke to me about losing a little of the zest for the game and wondering about how long he would, he would play. Michael Jordan was 30. His team, the Chicago Bulls, had just won their third straight NBA title. Michael's retirement was shocking considering his age, how great a player he was, and there was no reason the Bulls couldn't keep winning. Thanks, Jerry. I think uh, everyone knows exactly what the circumstances are right now in terms of uh, my decision not to play the game of basketball uh, in the NBA. I've talked to all my confidence, uh, my family, my friends. As uh, Jerry has just uh, informed you uh, to the organization, uh, I'm very solid with my decision of not to uh, play the game of basketball uh, in the NBA. In that same press conference, Michael said he had lost the sense of motivation and the sense to prove something. Four months later, Michael Jordan signed a minor league contract with the Chicago White Sox to play baseball. Just being given an opportunity is something that I can feel very privileged about. I mean, uh, the White Sox gave me an opportunity just to go out there and see what type of skills I have. And uh, if I ever develop the skills to be up here, then great. If I don't, you know, at least I fulfill the dream, at least trying. And I've had a good time doing that. Michael Jordan played a full minor league season with the Birmingham Barons, the double-A team for the White Sox. He hit 202 with three home runs and 51 RBI. Of the 18 batters on the Barons team that season, Michael ranked 14th in on-base percentage and 15th in batting average. I remember that season and thinking how fun it was getting to see how Michael Jordan, one of the greatest athletes ever, as a baseball player. I remember hoping he would play well and eventually make it to the major leagues, but not so much. Michael Jordan only played baseball for one season. I also remember during that one season, which was heavily covered by the media, wondering how the whole thing felt to Michael. After all, the minor leagues don't have the same comforts he was used to playing basketball at the highest level. By all accounts, Michael had fun and enjoyed the challenge. But I also wonder if Michael Jordan didn't feel something else. Well, over the, over the course of 25 years in Maryland, 
we've been pretty heavily involved in church and community groups. And we've had a lot of couples and families that have come into our lives and through our lives. So it, it was super hard to, to put distance between those friendships. Uh, and then also, you know, my family's in Maryland, her family's in Virginia, and I've got a sister in Virginia as well. And I think that was the real hard part. And, and for a year, I think Ivalice cried. This is going to sound horrible, but I think she cried every day for a year. And now we're getting to the real gritty part of a big change. When you're leaving a place that you're known and a place that you know well, you're, all of that goes away. It goes away overnight. You go to a new place where nobody knows you. They don't know what kind of a family you are. They don't know things that you've been through. And you have to start over. This not only applies to moving to another state, but it's also true for changes like a new job, a new church, and a new neighborhood with the kids going to a new school. For Jimmy, Ivelisse, and their kids, it was all of these. We all came here with a blank slate, in essence. So that was really challenging. Dave, really super challenging. Because you don't have the base from which you're coming from, where people know you and love you and respect you and, and have a history with you. You don't have any of that. So you have to reestablish that. Jimmy and his family moved to Colorado during the summer of 2018. Three years later, this transition, the hard part of this change, is still very much in process. I feel like I'm maybe 25% of the way there because I had so many close guy friends and we had so many close families and our church life. And, and, you know, I had opportunities to, to um, teach at church. I did men's ministry for years and years at life point church. I, I taught from the platform periodically each year as part of their teaching team. So even if I didn't know you, you probably knew me in some way. And there's a little bit of accountability built into that. You know, when you've kind of built a life and there's an expectation around the way you live. I used to go to Santoni's market all the time and I would know 10 people in the store. Now I could go to a local market and not be known and know no one. (laughs) And so that there's still a lot of that. Yeah, there's still a lot of that. Being anonymous is an uncomfortable position for me. I don't like it. That brings us back to Michael Jordan and me wondering how he felt during his season of playing minor league baseball. Michael, of course, was not anonymous. Everybody knew who he was. In fact, he started in AA because the minor leagues lower than that did not have the facilities to accommodate all the media and fan attention that followed Michael the entire season. There's a moment in the documentary, The Last Dance, which is about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, that I found revealing. When the Bulls hired Phil Jackson to be the head coach, he installed a new offense, one that would spread the scoring opportunities around. Up to that point, the Bulls' offense was basically get Michael Jordan the ball so he could score. And he did. He was clutch. If the game was on the line, Michael's the guy you want with the ball in his hands. It wouldn't always be that way with this new offense. And Michael, now decades later, revealed how he really felt about that. He said with the game on the line, he didn't want, and he named a particular player, with the ball. And of course, the documentary shows film of that player shooting and missing. The point here is, even though players don't say it, 
they know who they want with the ball when the game's on the line. For nine seasons before he retired, Michael was that guy. He worked hard and had built a reputation to become the guy. And everybody knew it. The fans, the opposing team, and his own teammates. That's how he was known. And now I wonder if Michael was feeling that loss every time he came to bat as a 202 hitter. You kind of, in some ways, you work your whole life to live a certain way, to develop relationships in a certain way, and to develop a reputation of sorts. I mean, you really do, you kind of, people know you and know who you are, and they know things about your family, and you are well-respected in that community, et cetera. And when you come into a new environment, not that all is gone. You know, 25 years of history is just wiped out. On March 18, 1995, Michael announced his return to the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. The following season, Michael again was the guy leading his team to three more consecutive titles. A friend of mine once said, people always go home again. Of course, that's hyperbole, but it happens often enough that people return home where they're known. Michael Jordan did. Ava and I now understand what Jimmy Page is talking about, this gritty part of change. I love where we live now, but it doesn't feel like home yet. In fact, oddly, it feels less and less like home. That's probably because the further we get from what was home for our entire lives, what we don't have here gets magnified. I remember a moment in time, maybe 18 months in, where I'm like, this has to work because I'm not moving back. There's enough that I love here that's going to keep us here. <laughs> so it's some, the, the switch flipped a little bit like, hey, we need to get roots here. You know, Ivelisse and I, we need to establish our life together in this community here. And that creates a little bit more sense of intentionality and urgency to, to get that done. If you heard episode one of the season, I mentioned one of the things I was looking forward to with our move from Maryland to South Carolina was my comfort zone being taken apart so I could grow my faith even more. I believe there are incredible opportunities for growth when we're uncomfortable. There's a verse in Proverbs, and I'm sure you've heard it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You can actually replace the word understanding with just about anything, and it still works. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own money. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own accomplishments. Lean not on your own fame. Lean not on your own significance. Or how about this one? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own comfort zone. God has used all those challenges to you know, drive a greater dependence on him and and also to reveal some stuff inside of us that needed to probably change that might not have changed if we hadn't gotten outside of our comfort zone. This is not only the gritty part of change, it can also be the truly good part. Coming up, a preview of our next episode. By the way, in the aftermath of Ivalice Page's battle with cancer and the unique treatment that saved her life, Jimmy and Ivalice started an organization called Believe Big. You can check them out at believebig.org. 
Long Story Short is a production of Brighter Media Group. John Lawhon is the executive producer. Special thanks to Todd Gaddy and Aaron Branham. Without them, you wouldn't know about nor be able to hear this podcast. Season two of Long Story Short is all about change. We're midway through with five episodes still to come. If you don't want to miss those, make sure you subscribe or follow, depending on what your podcast provider calls it. And each episode will be waiting for you early Tuesday morning after it's released. Also, would you consider rating the podcast and leaving a review if you use Apple Podcasts? This helps us know how these episodes are impacting you, and it also helps others find the podcast and then decide whether to invest time listening. If these are beneficial to you, this is an opportunity to pass it along to someone else. All right, next week on Long Story Short. I was excited. I was like, what? Oh my gosh. Are you serious? And the, and the initial feeling was, yeah, I think you're going to be going back. Christina made the same change twice, and the second decision was harder than the first. It was like something kind of crept over me, and I was like, I almost felt like um, in my mind, you're curled up in the fetal position in the corner, and that's where I was, that's how I was feeling. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do it. I don't. How do I tell them? Like, I already said yes. She'll explain why, and there's a pretty great takeaway for you and me. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week, all right? 